The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in. Great conversation today with Al DeGuido. When I was introduced to him by my past guest, maybe you listen to the episode of um, Matt Rosetta, and he introduced him as one of um, Matt Rosetta's mentors. And Al... Uh, it would take me an hour to talk about all of his accomplishments and what he's what he's done, but he's true visionary authority on staying ahead of the new digital reality. Got a tremendous influential voice on how media platforms drive brand success in today's economy. He's he's been a contributor and and uh, expert uh, for CNN, Fox Business News, CNBC, MSNBC, CBC, Business Week, New York Times, etc. And he's got a keen eye for marketplace trends. But what really struck me about Al was his boldness, his high energy, his generosity, and his complete and thorough understanding of common sense leadership. You know, I've been stuck on this phrase about, for me, if you really strip down what we're trying to do here at Dose of Leadership and what we we should all be trying to do in our personal lives is making the campsite better than we found it. And Al is one of those individuals that truly gets it. And his business style and his personal passions, they are not separate. He's true to his word. He values pushing the limits out of his comfort zone. And and again, because he feels like it's part of our obligation to um, get comfortable with the chaos, if you will, or get comfortable with the change agent or change that's inevitable all around us and to get comfortable with it. And I don't know, I just really enjoyed this conversation. I think you will too. He's just one of those remarkable individuals that truly gets and understands leadership, or at least what we've talked about here for four and a half years plus here on Dose of Leadership. And it was a privilege and honor to have Al DeGuido on the show. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. Reach out to me. I answer every single email. I promise you, no matter where you're at in your journey, send it send it to me and I will give you my advice and my ideas and my uh, support and encouragement if you need it. But I answer every email, and I love hearing from all of you out there. Thank you for all the wonderful emails. It may take me a while, but I promise you I will get back to you personally. Um, so you can find that at richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page or just directly. Richard at doseofleadership.com is an email that will reach me directly. Also, check out Legacy Leader Blueprint. I'm plugging it on every show, but it's my online video course plus four interactive sessions with me to help cement the material that you watch in the videos. It's a great resource for organizations trying to up their leadership game with some of their high performers or young and up-and-coming supervisors, where we talk about leadership, how to lead others, lead yourself, transformational leadership topics. It's all included in the Legacy Leader Blueprint, and at $349 a seat, it will not break the bank. So go check it out at LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com, or you can find all the links at Richard Ryerson. And doseofleadership.com. All right, without further ado, great conversation 
with Al DeGuido here on Dose of Leadership. Well, Al, I'm so honored to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership, my friend. Thank you, Richard. It's great to be here with you. You know, it's so nice to meet you. Uh, we had a great conversation on the phone uh, last week, and you struck me as one of these guys, particularly when it comes to leadership, and I look at your your impressive uh, resume of running companies and particularly in digital marketing space. I mean, you, you're definitely a change agent, and I think a lot of times when we talk about leadership, you know, it's, it's, it is all about being comfortable with the change, never resting on your laurels, as we've talked about before. How did you, um, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that, first and foremost, when it comes to leadership? You know, I think that as I watch uh, what's going on in the marketplace today and I watch leadership, uh, this is going to be, this era, this period of time is going to be one of the great places, great times where uh, we're going to look back and say, who were the true leaders? Who were people who could abandon kind of legacy think, thinking and strategies and look at exactly what's happening in the marketplace today in terms of the way in which people consume content, the way in which they shop, the way in which they come together as a community, the way in which they uh, do research, and realize that it has changed dramatically in the last 10 to 20 years. And you as a leader, if you're responsible and you're someone who who's, has the responsibility of running a company and building a business and employing people and providing for their welfare going forward, you have to be making really tough decisions right now because it's very easy to sit on your laurels and rest on the legacy when things are good and things are stable. But the world is changing in real time, and all of these different components are changing in real time, and they're having tremendous impact on every aspect of business in the world. So if you are a leader today and you're not a change agent or thinking about ways in which you can optimize and transform your company to the new reality of the world, uh, I think uh, you're going to be out of luck. Uh, we see this in the in the retail sector right now. I mean, 20 years ago, everyone said Amazon was a fool to think that consumers would actually buy books off the Internet. They said, no, no, you're going to be going to Barnes & Noble, you're going to go to uh, Borders, and uh, you're going to go into a brick-and-mortar store. And here we are, you know, 20 years later, and Amazon is controlling, you know, 80 to $90 billion of e-commerce sales beyond just books and everything else. So the the people, the companies, the brick-and-mortar companies that were competing with Amazon 20 years ago were scoffing at them and saying that it'll never change, it'll never change, and they've kind of had a front row seat for this whole evolution. And now they're trying to play catch up and uh, trying to mimic what Amazon's doing. But Amazon, Amazon has such an incredible lead right now and continue to press the pedal down that it's going to be very tough for brick and mortar to catch up in the e commerce space, at least, uh, against a, a market leader like that. So leadership today is not about, you know, maintaining the legacy and kind of looking at your watch and saying, how many more years do I have before I retire and can kind of move on? It's You need to be forceful. You need to be visionary. You need to be a student of the marketplace. Uh, and then you need to have the chops, literally, to go out there in the marketplace and make the changes that uh, you need to in order to be relevant going forward. I agree with you. And I think that if you know, it's kind of like the history of the business in the world. I mean, it, I can imagine yourself as the you know preeminent guy that made horse buggy whips you know back in the turn of the century. Right. You know, and you see these, this Model T getting coming off the line, and everybody's kind of laughing at that thing. And you know, what, what's that business owner of the the you know guy that makes buggy whips for horse, you know, for carriages? He's going to have to adapt and change at some point. And if you're, you know, it's just always the history of, or getting comfortable with the chaos. I think is the way I always like to put it. It's like it's always. I think we always want to go through life in business thinking, okay, if we could just have these plans where make everything would be smooth and everything be possible. 
uh, or everything yeah. would be, you know, as smooth as possible. But the reality is it's almost like living kind of like a stoic mentality. It's like, look, there's always something, you know, something bad is going to happen or something's going to change, but I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with that. And I'm willing to roll with the punches. And yeah, you know something on. though, Richard, I think it's, you, you have to go one step further that you're excited about it. Exactly. Because, exactly. You know, I, I think, and you're passionate about it uh, because, you know, static, anything starts to get boring right. I mean, in a relationship and business, it starts to get boring. So you've got to be somebody who's energized saying, Oh my gosh, I know that not everyone is, is going to make the changes and make the moves that need to propel their business to the next step. But, you know, that's great. I don't want everybody to be on the same page because it would be more competitive for me. The fact that they don't and the fact that they're in denial uh, and, and the fact that I am not in denial and embracing the change gives me a leg up in terms of being that much further ahead of them. I, I've seen, I spent a bulk of my career, early career, in the publishing industry, and I've been pretty vocal about the major publishing houses, the Timings, the Kanye Nast, the Rodales, the, those type of organizations who basically kind of sat on their laurels and said, well, yeah, we're going to have a, you know, we're going to have our internet businesses and we'll have our internet uh, footholds, but, you know, print is really what, what pays the bills. We make money on circulation. We make money on advertising inside of print magazines. And they basically were in denial about the fact that the pivot point in which, in which people uh, access information and learn about things, which was once print magazines and newspapers, had shifted to the Internet. And what they did over the last 20 years is basically holding on to that anchor of print magazines and the advertising revenues that were there and the circulation revenues there. They basically merchandised advertising exposure on the web component of their business where everyone was going. So now they're stuck in a situation where print is dying, print advertising is uh, is declining at you know, meteoric rates, and now the shift has gone on to the web, but now they go back to the same advertisers and say, oh, by the way, we're reaching that audience, but we're reaching them on the web, and we want to charge you X amount of rate, and the, the advertiser says, wait a second, what are you talking about? Oh, you were giving this to me for free. Now you want me to pay big dollars for it? So they kind of walked into their own trap, where instead of building value around the place that the consumer was going and consuming their content, they held on to the place where the consumer was leaving and, and, and gave away the other part free. So that whole area, it's an indictment on, the, on publishing houses and publishing people, uh, I'm talking about magazines and newspapers, that they didn't embrace as quickly as they should have this whole shift and, and most importantly for them, they didn't build tremendous value in that connection on the web at the time when their connection with their consumer and their reader was declining in print. So it's, it's one of the tragedies. It's why many, many magazines, print, have gone out of business. It's, it's not because people don't want to read content. They do, but they are not reading the content on the print magazine any longer. So it's, um, that's just one category where you've seen a lack of vision, a lack of clarity, a lack of understanding what's happening in real time, and the chops from a leadership standpoint to make the moves that, that they should have made to remain relevant and profitable in the new world uh, and the new reality of how people are consuming content. So it's, 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 it's such a tragedy. I, I think every time I hear a magazine going out of business or you know, Time Inc. laying off another three or 400 people, I go, these are all human beings their trusted leadership to make the right moves so that they can have a livelihood. And today, they don't have a livelihood. I mean, that's, and that's the responsibility, I believe, of, of leaders, true leaders. You've got to make the decisions on behalf of your people and your shareholders and your business 
that will continue to remain, you know, allow you to be, remain vital and growing and profitable in the business. I mean, you heard just yesterday that Amazon's hiring 50,000 people. I mean, is there any clear evidence that visionary leadership and a kind of a real-time understanding of consumer patterns is benefiting people who work for Amazon? So it's, it's, it's just incredible what's happened in the publishing sector over the last 20 years. Yeah, publishing is a, is a great example. I mean, you're right. They set up that stage where now the expectation for everything is free. And so you see you know, people like you know, the New York Times and the Washington Post are finally, you know, if you try to click on a story that's there, it's like, hey, it'd be great if you could subscribe. And, and at least they're, they're – but they're, I, you just sense they're playing catch-up. If they would have, at the beginning, kind of had that and said, hey, right. this right. my quality content, maybe they wouldn't be having to, to deal with – because now we, our expectation on the Internet, everything should be free, particularly when – if, right. you're, if right. you're in their 20s right. and 30s. I mean, exactly. I mean, I think that the um, – uh, they made a significant mistake. The circulation revenue they could have picked up. I mean, and it, when I ran magazines, print magazines, before we we transformed Computer Shopper magazine to the digital, you know, digital business, and that business exploded um, and went is incredibly profitable. Uh, they they, you know, a magazine's revenue stream was about ten percent of the revenue stream during the heyday was subscription revenue. The other ninety percent of that was advertising revenue, right? And so you can't. The advertising revenue now is spread across tens of thousands of different sites. There's programmatic networks where people buy, you know, impressions, uh, you know, for you know a dollar or fifty cents or twenty five cents an impression or ten cents an impression. So, you know, that whole shift has occurred, and I think that sector, like I said, someday, the uh, the publishing business, whether it's print. Or uh, print magazines or newspapers is going to. There's going to be a book written, and maybe we'll we'll write it. A book written about an indictment of the people that were leading those companies and why they didn't change. And, and not to continue to beat up on publishing, it's everywhere. When you see, and you hear a report today that four in ten marketers still have no plans to do any kind of digital transformation in their businesses, I I, I am kind of wondering to myself what's preventing them from doing that. It's either inertia or you know uh, you know a lack of uh, understanding of where the market's going. Uh, those companies are going to be in if, you know if they're not already in tough shape, they're going to be in, in tougher shape going forward uh, because you have to every whether you're running an estra, uh, a restaurant or an ice cream store or you know a supermarket whatever you you have to embrace your consumers because your imbru- imp- consumers are increasingly mobile they're using digital devices i mean it's just they're not sitting home with the sunday newspaper kind of reading that cover to cover anymore it's just it's not the way in which people consume content well i think it's important to understand or or point out too when you look at amazon um who is the global leader now and 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 everyone's playing catch up with him i think it's important to understand everything he you know there's so many things that he has failed at you know, yep. you, you look at all of the, th- you know, we, we think of him, we think of Amazon, we think of, Am- I mean, there's probably, for every successful thing that they've created, there's probably five, six, seven things that, that were total disasters. And then they don't get talked about a lot, but I think, he, and he's okay with that. You know, that, that's his, yeah. that's his, con- well, that's, that's the style. culture, that's the culture of a leader, right? You know, right. Dare, dare mighty things, right? So you have to be out there in the market testing and trying and, and experimenting, regardless of the business sector, I mean, Bezos has done a good job in terms of moving on. Not, not, no, no uh, mistake has been a mortal mistake. Right. It's, you know, uh, it, it, they've been mistakes that he's made away, along the way. 
he's built a cushion in his business so that he can absorb those kind of things. And he's created a culture in his organization where people are fearless in terms of bringing new ideas to to him and to his business to grow the business. I mean, that's uh, you know one of the things I've learned along the way in terms of. Uh, whether I was running, you know, a publishing business like, you know, Ziff Davis or running, you know, building a charity like I've done with Al's Angels or, uh, you know, in the in the uh, ice cream business, I've got a couple of retail stores that we're building. Your, your employees, if they're all in alignment with the vision and they respect the leader and they think the leader is respectful of them, will come to you with ideas, whether it's a person scooping ice cream or, or a volunteer in the charity or, you know, someone within the publishing business. If they're all in alignment to, we're all working together to grow this business and to achieve our mission, our goal, you have to be sensitive to the thoughts and ideas of the people that are below you because that's they bring you even greater power and greater vision. They have a, may have a unique tact on uh, on where on how to take the business to the next level. And I think too many leaders kind of put their hierarchy together and they say, well, here are the seven or ten people that are they are the, the the thought leaders. They know exactly you know what we should do and they start to become like a cocoon, and they don't let any ideas through. The, the great leader, I think, is the one that is constantly walking around, you know, in the trenches, asking people what they think, uh, because, you know, there's somebody sitting in your organization that's probably saying, hey, you know what, I know how to solve this problem. I know what we need to do. And they probably today, with the whole digital world, they're closer to being the consumer and the, the person that has the best knowledge about where you know, Generation X, Y, Z are going in terms of the way in which they look at content, they look at devices. So th- some of the most more innovative things, and I believe Bezos has done this masterfully, is coming from the from the bottom up of their organizations. Yeah, do they all work? No, but they're fearless in, ter- in terms of listening and, and running with them. Well, that, you, you hit on a, a great point that I wanted to, to bring up. I think that's why um, they've been successful is because as Bezos probably points out that you know all of the the eyes and the opportunities, the eyes on the trends are at the middle and below, and he recognizes that and and he listens. And I think a lot of times organizations struggle. You know, it's not that easy, to, or it's not that hard, really, to to spot the changing trends. They're all around us, right? They get written about, you know, voraciously. All the, time. the problem is, is why don't we adapt them? Why don't we embrace them and adapt them? And I think a lot of times, particularly large organizations, they sit there and they debate over and over and over again. Is this going to be something big? Is it going to be huge? And the problem is, is if they're doing that, it's probably too late. And I think a lot of yep. times, you know, if you're listening to your frontline folks, to your point, I mean, they got they, they know what's happening. And I think if, if, if you just open up and listen and maybe stop trying to debate, you know, get all the smartest people in the room and debate if this is going to be a big deal or not, you know, I, maybe just make a decision and react and kind of test and, and be willing to pivot and, and, and be okay if your decision's wrong, I guess. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it's – I agree with you totally. I think that the, the, the problem I'm seeing is if you went to the CEO or leadership of a company today and you said to them, what's your goal and objective? Oh, we want to grow our business. Okay, yeah, but you're living in a competitive arena. What prevents you from growing your business? They would have a tough time, I think – in terms of um, kind of giving you a really concise answer to that. Yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think that if if we all say, you know, Amazon said we want to rule the world, that's a pretty simple mission, right? We want to rule the world, regardless of the way in which people, the types of products people are buying and the way in which they're buying them, we want to rule that. So everyone in that organization walks in and goes, oh, my gosh, we're working for an organization that's going to dominate the world. That's pretty compelling as, as, a, as a mission going forward. 
I don't think the, the, that the a lot of companies today have that sense of passion and that sense of sense of mission that pervades the entire organization. I mean, they may have a significant portion of their of their uh, client, their uh, employee population that's kind of like punch at a clock and leave and go home. So I mean, it's just he's been able to instill a tremendous. Nah, he's not the only one. I mean, there are other companies out there, small companies and large companies, mm-hmm. where the leaders are passionate about something, and that passion translates down to the people who are working for them. And as a result of that, the people that are working for them gain ownership in that passion and say, hey, I can help us get to that, that whatever that goal is. So, you know, uh, you know we're not, this is not about maintaining. And I, I think the other thing, hit, thing you hit on was most people do not like to change. Right. Go up to somebody who's smoking cigarettes and say, you need to, you know, this is bad for you. <laughs> or, um, you know, uh, someone who doesn't have a good diet, you know, this is really bad for you. And they go, well, you know, it's tough. They'll give you every excuse under the sun not to change. Because there's comfort in legacy. There's comfort in not changing. It's challenging as a human being to change things. Imagine a company. So, you know, I think, I think this whole age is going to be people who don't make it here. Are, it's going to be the age of denial. It's going to be the fact that we saw the change. We understood the change. But, yeah, we don't think it's magazines are coming back. You know, CDs are coming back. Final records are coming back. You know, uh, toll takers at tolls, that's coming back, too. No, it's it's not coming back. <laughs> and you need to figure out if you want to be a leader, going back to the goal, if you want to be a leader, you have to figure out how you're going to lead in that world today, in that world, not the world that was 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. I wrote something the other day about this. You know, I always think about the Bruce Springsteen song, you know, Glory Days. And, you know, the whole, to- the whole couple of lyrics there about all this guy kept talking about was Glory Days. Well, the Glory Days are done for, for people. We have to deal in today and what we could do today to bring glory to today as opposed to, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Well, it's because we always look back at the past with rose-colored glasses, right? We only rem- we, we tend to try to remember the great things, and it's good, and, and you're absolutely right. But the problem is is it's changing. Um, I guess part of the problem could be because it's changing so exponentially fast. I mean, even look at, yep. like you said, you were mentioning Computer Shopper. I remember when I bought my you know, first gateway computer. And you don't even hear the word gateway anymore. Yeah. Remember that? And it's like, I remember I bought a yeah. gateway computer. I was like, is it a, is it a gateway or, or Dell? And what am I going to do? And that computer shopper, man, I remember I'd get that big, thick magazine, thumb through it and yep. dream and sit there and think, and that's the one I want. And, and now it's, like you said, it's gone. And it, yeah. it you know, and the iPhone's only 10 years old, basically. I mean, Richard, that magazine at its peak was $140 million top line business and $72 million in EBITDA. Okay, wow. so anybody who's listening to this and understands top and bottom line in EBITDA will realize how gargantuan a, a business that was. And like I said, now it's gone. It, you know, it's evolved into a digital business, but nowhere near that size that it was. Right. So you know, you know, change happens whether we want it or not. I mean, I, I this you know this this whole denial and this whole uh, I saw it in the charity that I built, Al's Angels. Right, people in the very beginning going, hey, you know, you you're coming out of your garage and. You know, who, how do you think you're going to have an impact on children that are battling cancer? I went, we're going to start here. We're going to start with helping 50 families. We're going to commit that every year we're going to go up at least 10 more families. You know, and in, you know, 15, 16 years, we've gone from that, from rather a garage to helping 12,000 children and 3,200 families just in the tri-state area. Because you put together a team of people who were committed to the vision who, you know, understood every excuse that why it wouldn't work and said, we don't care. 
we're going to make it work. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, you can look at the reality and say, hey, you know, there's all these hurdles and everything else, but I would hope that the people that are leading, like Walmart and Target, aren't saying, oh, my God, you know, Amazon's crushing us. We'll never be able to catch up. I hope they're, the people that are leading that organization every day wake up with a, with a passion to say, well, what the heck do we have to do? How do we do? How do we get closer? Right. Um, there's not all that kind of leadership. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but I, I worry a lot these days, and I know you, you've seen this as well, some of the people that have been put in leadership positions, uh, their business ethics, their moral ethics, the kind of message that they're sending or not sending to their employees is highly questionable. I mean, we've seen some stuff mm-hmm. of late, you know, in various companies, Uber and others, where what are they thinking? I mean, if you're, if seriously, if you're bringing people in, and and or founders that have become, you know, conceited about things, or just think that they, you know, they whatever you know, whatever rules they want to have, whether those violate moral ethics or not, are are going to be in place. Uh, you know, you wonder about the quality of the boards that are running these companies and the leaders that they're selecting. I just you know, it's there are great opportunities in the marketplace, and there are great leaders out there, and and there's a need for a vetting process to understand whether you're picking the right leader with the right vision, the right passion, and not going back to people who have been who are untested. Or equally, I see this: there seems to be a network of of uh, leaders that always are mentioned in terms of leading these uh, these companies again that are retreads, that are people who've had their glory and have had their you know their their rise. And, you know, my big question is, do they have the same zeal? Do they have the same passion to do it again? Uh, and I just want to worry about the quality of leadership that I'm seeing in a lot of different sectors today. I agree with you. And I think that it goes back to what what do you stand for as an organization? You know, yep. asking the question, what do you, you know, what is your goal of this company? And it's like, well, we want to grow and make this X amount of profit. Look, that's a given. That's what I mean. Right. The whole reason why you're in business is to make a profit. That's a given, and it's pretty shallow to think that's your ultimate goal. I mean, that, that's that's that should be, yeah. Of course, we want to do that. But what do you really stand for? And again, I argue that's why you see organizations, large organizations, the airlines, the perfect example, which I live and breathe in, is that yep. you see people not making. I can't tell you how many times I see, even in the organization I'm at, I'm with and around me, it's like, well, it's not my job. They don't pay me to do that. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Look, what do you stand for as an organization? Do you stand for customer service, which the airline industry, all the airlines really should be. It should be focused somewhere around the customer service yep. paradigm. And what happens is the the culture, the organization, the leaders, you see them, they're just so interested in, you know, on-time KPIs and profit margins. Then you get examples of what you, like you see at United where you're dragging some knucklehead off the plane and there's just a comedy of dumb and dumber errors on both sides. And it's because yep. when there's no culture or no vision to to litmus test to to paste my decisions against or mark my decisions against, then I rely on policies and procedures. And when you're relying on policies and procedures, you're a sterile, um, stereotypical business that everybody tends to hate. And if, yep. if you if you have a vision that everybody can wrap their arms around, i.e., like the Marine Corps that I always talk about here, it's because the culture is so ingrained in everybody and if you stand for something bigger than themselves people will go to the ends of the earth for you and the organization anyway enough of my soapbox no no but i mean god bless you for your service i think it's you know there are a lot of people who who kind of have a lot to say about military but not a lot of them kind of put on the put on the uniform and go out there and do it so you know god bless you for doing that i I think 
I think you, is, you hit on a, a really key point here in terms of leadership. I always felt in every company that I led and will lead going down the, down the, the road here that we have a responsibility as leaders to imbue in our employees you know, a passion, a work ethic, a focus on doing the best job they possibly can, being the best per- version of themselves that they possibly can. And I always made as part of the DNA that, that my organizations had a required a commitment from my employees to look beyond the, the business to helping people in need, whether those were children in need or families in need, that, that what I wanted to impart and what I continue to impart when people in, in my organizations, in the, the ice cream stores or the charity, is there's a responsibility as a member of the human family to look beyond your own uh, taking care of yourself and your own family. There's so many people out there suffering um, that for, for no reason other than the fact that they were, by some roll of the dice, they, for my, in my case, you know, they had cancer or their rare blood diseases or their severe poverty. We, as members of the human family, must do something as part of our DNA in 2017 and beyond to help those people. And I can tell you what I'm most proud about in all the organizations that I've built uh, and, and run, uh, that there's so many people that I now see and uh, that may not be working with them day to day, but who have carried on that legacy, who are leading other organizations, who are making that a part of their DNA. And that's how we're going to change the world. We're going to change the world by being great business people, visionary business people, running the best businesses that we can, being real about uh, the reality of what we have to do to get to, to grow our businesses. But at the same time, we can never, ever forget the responsibility that we all have to helping those in need. And I think people talk about employee retention all the time. We never had any issues with employee retention because it was more than a job for these people. It was it was a job that provided them livelihood, it helped them achieve their goals and objectives, but also made them feel good that they were part of an organization that had a focus on helping those in need. Yeah, I think the goal is, again, if any organization should be to make the campsite better than you found it. And right with that is ingrained is making a profit because making a profit means you can make the campsite a lot better than you found it, and right. you can change the you can. And I think having the vision of or the idea of changing the world. A lot of people may like, oh, yeah, well, I'm just, you know, this little mom and pop, you know, nickel and dime hardware store over here on the corner. But you can have that vision of, look, you may even only have 10 employees, but those are 10 lives that are depending on you. And you look at it in that exactly. perspective. You look at it in that perspective. It's like people are counting on you to make the world a better place. And you may not change the world. You can, you can at least change your part of it. And that's everything exactly. to those 10 people. And I, and I think that should be... A given in business, again, making it better than you found it. And yep. it's, if it's not there, then why even be in business? And you know something? And that will benefit your bottom line as well, because the best people want to work for organizations exactly. that have some social conscience. They do. They want to work there. Whether you're working in an ice cream store, or a hardware store, or a restaurant, people want to be involved with organizations that transcend the, the P&L and that, that do something that, that literally transcends the P&L and kind of helps their community. And, and I agree with you. You know, there are clothing stores. There are, you know, all kinds of retail stores that interact with customers. There's, there's all kinds of ways that you can make an impact in, in your community. And if you, whoever's listening to this now, if you haven't figured that part out, I would, you know, take a half hour, an hour and figure that out because there, there's, you could, I could go up and down the, the main street of any of the towns here and, and give you an idea for every one of those stores on how they could do something above and beyond and how they can become known uh, as an organization that that 
transcends the uh, the front door of their retail store. And I think even importantly, not even the owners of the business, the people that are, if there's someone even listening that's in one of those businesses, realizing yep. that how much influence you have. I don't, I don't think we take, we, we don't fully appreciate, truly appreciate how much influence we have. And, but in, in any situation, you know, it does, you don't even yep. have to have the title or even be the business owner and how much influence you can have in that business, that organization and the lives of others. Uh, right. I mean, I, I mean, that's a central theme of leadership is, is to really is to add value. If you want to be a pers- person of influence, add value. And I think that, you know what, um, we're having a great conversation here. I think that part of this for me is this message, you know, if you can't be whispering this message to people, you have to be a change agent. You have to be someone who likes to rattle the cage. You have to appear at times uh, like a bull in a china shop just to gain, to, to shock people and shake people out of their comfort zone, right? I mean, it's right. kind of like that's sometimes it's, it's not like well, we're having a very good, you know, kind of a, a intellectual conversation and discourse about this topic. In the real world, you have to walk into someone and go, hey, bud, you want to grow your business? Wake up. We have to, be, we have to start doing this, this, and this. Right. Uh, because people that don't want to change, you know, they need to walk into a, you know a doctor's office or somebody else's or a gym or a you know fitness facility and somebody go, hey, but you're way out of weight. You better get your butt in gear and let's get going. So I mean, I think the message can't be. That's why we're kind of at a certain tone here, right? Right. The message can't be kind of whispered or intellectualized. It has to be it has to be shouted. Yeah. It has to be enthusiastic in that shout. Well, and that's why leadership is. I mean, that's why leadership is is a great guarantee you know it's job security because leaders yeah. you know demands there's always looking for somebody to be that kind of bold energetic um kind of generous person in in this kind of mediocre world you know i think you, yep. you have to punch mediocrity in the face i think that, that you shouldn't stand for mediocrity and it doesn't mean you be disruptive for disruptive sake it doesn't mean you got to go out there no, and, no, no. and dress a certain way and and have your you know you're on snapchat and you're Tell them about how you're going to crush everything and do this and whatever, you know, it's like it's it's taking action, meaningful action and being bold. And to your point is pushing people out of their comfort zone. It takes courage. There's no doubt about it. I mean, authenticity, vulnerability, courage, those are the things that we kind of suck at as human beings. And and I think that's what God, it's what the world needs so bad. And particularly yeah. the business. I mean, you think about, I was thinking about you as a Marine, you've had an experience, right? That drill sergeant, you think he was kind of saying, hey, guys, it'd be good if you did about five or ten push-ups and this and that. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, he was barking at you to kind of wake you up a little bit and say, this is what we need to do. And I, I agree. I think the, in a world of uh, mediocrity, you know, there are people that come up to me all the time and say, hey, when are you going to retire? I said, retire? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. I mean, I... This is the greatest time of, in the history of humankind to be alive. There's so much change going on. There's so much opportunity. You know, I want to live to be 120, and I want to still be active doing what I'm doing because it's, you know, for people who love change and embrace change and, uh, you know, like uh, assembling puzzles and, and kind of figuring things out, this is the greatest time to be alive of any time I, I can see. I mean, it's it just, you know, if you enjoy it and you embrace it, uh, it's a challenge, and, and there's such mediocrity around in the world that I say to my kids all the time: you don't have to be a genius anymore. Just come in with passion and uh, you know hard work, and you're going to rise to the top just because everybody else is sitting on their butt. Yeah. So I think that uh, this is a great time to be alive, a great time to be a leader uh, if you embrace change and don't live in a world of di- denial. You know, it's interesting you brought that up. I was talking to one of my four daughters, my oldest one, and and. And there's kind of a, she's 20 and there's kind of a cynicism to her 
about how bad things are. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I said, this is the greatest time in the history of the planet to be alive. It really is. Yep. I mean, there yep. is nothing, there's literally nothing stopping you, if you're like, to your point, if you want to, if you're comfortable kind of with the, the, the change and the rapidity of things and how fast things are moving. And you can literally, you know, change your, change the world, or at least you're part of it or influence. I mean, if you just had a thousand super fans, no matter who it is, who's listening, if you had a thousand people that loved what you did and what you're doing, your whole world would be completely different. I mean, yep. you could be financially free. You could be, you could get yourself involved in charities. You can do whatever you wanted. You don't have to, you know, do the traditional path that 50, 60 years ago working in some, and there's still some people that are hanging on to that idea that you go yep. to work for GE for 30 years and 40 years and get the watch <laughs> at the end. And that's, that's why? You to can, me, that's death is by a thousand cuts. You know? It's just I, I can't see living in that world. Well, you know, I'm going to retire and go down to Florida and play golf. Really? Really. really? Uh, not, not me. Not anytime soon. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> I, not that I can ever see. I think. I think. I think we've bred, you know, mediocrity into this country, and we've we've also bred a, a generation. Um, that says, you know, we're entitled to have all the things that right. you, know, you and I and others kind of broke their butt to achieve and continue to break our butt to achieve, that this generation somehow is kind of leapfrogging over that and that we're going to, uh, they're just going to inherit it without the hard work. I, and, I, and I think that that's such a sad commentary on what's happened in the world because I, I bump into kids of all sizes and ages and I see that. I see I, the thing that I, I, Lately, I've been on a, a tear about is, you know, there are kids that come out of a local university where we are, and four years cost the parents $260,000. And I usually talk to these kids on, you know, graduation week, and I'll ask them. I, I had 200 kids together for an Alice Angels event. They're all graduating seniors. And I said to them, okay, so by a show of hands, this week you're all graduating. What percentage of you, how many of you have full time jobs that you're going to immediately after school? And out of 200, five raised their hands. Wow. So, and I and I basically said, no, no, you probably didn't hear me. So I repeated the question, and the same five people raised their hands. So you're a parent. You spend $260,000 on the kid's education, and most the answer you get from most people is, I really don't have any idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> right. I mean, really. So if you're a kid out there and you've got a 1,000 you know, super fans, then you know, you start thinking like freshman year of college. I, I listen to people say, hey, have a lot of fun out there in college, you know, $260,000, I'd have a lot of fun, too. <laughs> right. But, um, you know, be committed. Be committed, you know, on day one that you're going to graduate in four years, and the work that you do during college here, if you want to be a leader, like, use that time wisely. Uh, you know, no one says not to have fun, but the, it's not a four-year vacation. It's a four-year preparation for what you're going to be when you leave. So I think we're missing – I think, and I think it's the responsibility of leaders to be – very, very vocal today in all aspects to kind of sell that message that, you know, you must, that, that, you know, this is, you want to be a leader, you want to make big money, you want to make a contribution to the world, you want to have a family of nicer things. It's still available, but you're going to have to work hard for it. Uh, I, I love this conversation. I mean, what, as we, as we kind of wrap up here, how can people, you know, what are you working on now? I mean, the list of what you've worked on in the past and what you're working on is just extensive. Yeah, I'm doing, what are you working on now? Yeah, I'm I'm always on the uh I'm always on the prowl for my next leadership uh responsibility. So right now I'm doing uh I've been doing an extended consulting work with a company in uh, Connecticut 
that is going that needed help kind of shocking the organization uh, into a digital transformation. So they've been a you know a company that's kind of been going along for the last 15 years uh, in one direction, and they needed a change agent. So I've been spending uh, you know uh, four or five days a week here working with the company, working with the leadership to kind of transform and pivot the organization to where the market really is. So I. I find it incredibly you know, interesting, exciting, challenging, all of those different things, uh, as I have had that in my career. Uh, so, yeah, I'm always uh, on the prowl, like I said, to uh, be leading an organization and to be growing an organization. How can people get in touch with you and, and connect with you? Sure. I mean, they can reach me on uh, uh, through my email, which is adiguido, A-D-I-G-U-I-D-O at Yahoo. Uh, you can also get me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, Al DeGuido at LinkedIn. Uh, those are the two places. Al, there's so much I, I, I could sit there and talk to you for hours about this stuff. You're going to have to come <laughs> back on the show. Uh, I appreciate your, your, your boldness, your, your, your visionary leader, someone that I would love, you know, I want to emulate. I mean, what you're doing is, is where I want to be. And so I, I, I mean that with the, the most sincerity. I mean, I love your leadership style, your energy, your enthusiasm, your passion for life. Uh, I think that's what leadership is is all about at the end of the day, and um, you've certainly inspired me, and, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you, Richard. I really appreciate the time and the opportunity. Again, I'll thank you for your, your, your service to our country. I think it's a, an incredibly noble thing that you have done, and we should all be very much more appreciative of uh, men and women who serve the country as you have. So thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you, Al. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com. And fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access, to my online leadership course. That's LegacyLeaderBlueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.